For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. And yes, Happy New Year. It's an interesting time. The time of transition, time of renewal, and we are culture as a custom of New Year's resolutions, and those are akin to. It can be akin to our practice of vow, Bodhisattva vow. So I want to talk about, first about the four Bodhisattva vows, which we chant at the end of all of our events. And uh, talk about the meaning of that. And actually talk about the wording of that, which has been somewhat controversial. So I'm going to start by chanting the four Bodhisattva vows in Sino-Japanese. Shujo mohen seigan do, ono mujin seigan dan, homon moyo seigan gaku, butudo mujo seigan jo. So the last character of each of those four vows presents us an opportunity for consideration. Shujomo Gando, we chant, we've been chanting, beings are numberless, we vow to free them. Some places say we vow to save them. David Weiner brought this up this week uh, and felt he felt like this was a little condescending, like we know how to free all living beings. The, char- the last character, Do, which you could chant as free or save, literally is to carry a cross. It's the same character for the paramitas, which we talk about, the uh, six or ten paramitas. So it needs to carry a cross. But it's not, um, the feeling of Bodhisattva vows is not, uh, I'm going to take care of all of you. <laughs> this, is, this is the feeling that David had that he objected to. Uh, we practice together. So we do this together. We are present with and witness to all the beings, all the difficult, different beings, including those beings within ourselves. So to carry a cross means there's, well, there's a common metaphor of the raft to carry to the other shore. So in early Buddhism, this meant from our place of samsara, of the rat race, of the difficulties of the world, to the other shore of nirvana. Um, And uh, 
So this is a, a very dualistic way of thinking about it, and uh, this is part of David's objection. But um, in the Bodhisattva way, in our tradition, we don't see nirvana as separate from samsara. We practice in the world. So this is an important point. So in terms of translating it, um, I'm okay with keeping the translation we've been using. I got a freedom, but just that we should understand that them is all inclusive. Beings are numberless. We vow to free them. It's not beings out there. It's not about separation. It's all the beings that came up in your zazen this morning on your seat, as well as all the beings in the square and on the various places. See Nathan's here from Michigan and other people. Hi, Nathan. Other people uh, from different places. I can't see all of them exactly. Um, so that's the first one. We vow to carry all of ourselves across to awakening, to liberation. The second one is the most problematic, in my opinion. And I actually want to ask Arena, Jerry, and our head, Dawn, David Ray, to help change the text uh, in, in our chat books and online and uh, wherever we have it uh, in, our, in our sangha. Usually we've been chanting, delusions are inexhaustible, we vow to end them. So delusions, if or no, this could be delusions or afflictions, are inexhaustible. Yes, they are. But our practice is not to destroy them. It's not about getting rid of all delusions, and then we will have something else called awakening or liberation or enlightenment. That's not our practice. So my teacher, Tenshinger uh, Anderson, translates it as we vow to cut through. And I want to adopt that as the ancient dragon's end gate translation for the second. Don means to cut through, to decline, to refuse. Uh, it could be translated as ending them, but that's not our practice. We don't destroy all delusions. We sit upright in the middle of our own and the world's delusions. And we all know there are plenty of those. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so um, to not be caught by them would be, uh, I don't know, that, that's a good translation, but it's the interpretation. We don't get rid of delusions. I think this is a common delusion to think, oh, I can just get rid of all of my karmic afflictions, then it'd be enlightened or awakened. But actually, our practice is to be right in the middle of the world, right in the middle of samsara, including each of us, our own ancient twisted karma. So Chidathagir was here recently and talking about uh, trauma and how we all have karmic trauma 
and more or less and uh, and that's and that's it's not some of those things do drop away that happens in long-term sustaining cells like practice it happens but and sometimes it can happen suddenly but that's not the point the point is to be clear and open and upright in the middle of all of these afflictions that we share that are part of our communal karma as well. So again, uh, Jerry and David, if you would try and um, see, uh, and there's not, this isn't something that has to be done, you know, this week, but to try and change all the chant books in all the places where that appears on our website to uh, leave out to cut through. The third one, Omon Muryo Segan Gaku. Dharma gates are boundless, we say, we vow to enter them. Gaku, the last character, also literally means study. So we vow to study the Dharma gates. We vow to study, and I'll talk about Samantabhadra's vows a little later, but uh, this, is, this is one of his ten vows, uh, that Dharma gates are boundless. We vow to and I think in terms of the language, without to enter them is okay. But that means to look at them, to study them, to be present with them. And Dharma Gates means um, everything. All of the situations that ar- arise in our world, in our lives, individually, collectively, Everything is a Dharma gate. Everything is an opportunity to see what's happening and enter into that as Dharma, as teaching, as liberation. So, Homanurio Segan Gaku, literally Dharma gates, are boundless. And we vow to enter them. We vow to study them. And study uh, in Buddhism doesn't mean just listening to Dharma talks or reading sutras or Zen dialogues. It means really to feel them. How do we how do we feel what we feel? How do we not try and uh, use the, the the practice as a way of avoiding how we feel? But to actually feel what we feel. So I haven't talked about this in a while, I think, but you know, I guess that this mantra from my favorite American Dharma bar, how does it feel? So you can you can sit with that. How does it feel? This is entering Dharma days with each uh, tension, tightness in your in your legs, your shoulders, your back. How do you study that? How do you feel what you feel? And this goes beyond that to all of the situations in our lives and in the world. How do we feel? So this is studying, deeply studying, physically, somatically studying. All of these dominates, all of these opportunities for awakening. And then the last one is Butsudal Muja Segan Jo. Buddha way is 
unsurpassable. Job can't be surpassed. We vow, we've been saying we vow to realize it. Uh, I think it brings us that we vow to become it. A Job, the last character, also means to accomplish or perform it. How do we perform? How do we enact? How do we express the Buddha way? This is our fourth vow. The way is unsurpassable. So we celebrate the way of awakening. We dedicate ourselves to the way of awakening. So uh, one of my New Year's vows is to talk about and unpack these four Bodhisattva vows and other Bodhisattva vows as we enter into the opportunity of a new year. We've been talking about when that's great, saying every day is a new day. Maybe you could say every day is a new year. But uh, our culture marks this January 1st. Happy New Year, yes. It's 2023. And uh, I understand that officially in a few weeks, it'll be the year of the rabbit in the Chinese lunar calendar. So uh, the year of the rabbit, I'm told, involves peace, which is wonderful and I want to talk about. But first I want to say a little bit about my own vow about Sangha. So we, we don't do these vows just individually. Sangha means that we practice together and now we have this wonderful interim Lincoln Square Zendo. So any of you who are in the area and can get up here for one of our Sunday morning or Monday evening events, it's really lovely. This is a really wonderful space. It's, uh, I think, much more congenial than our previous interim Zendo. So thank you to Hobetsu for making this possible. Good. Thank you very much. But it is an interim sendo. Um, this sendo is smaller than the old sendo we went to that uh, storefront sendo we had on Irving Park. So we did, uh, a month ago, we did uh, the first all-day sitting here. And uh, really, for an all-day sitting, the maximum that we can fit in this room that, that feels like it honors the event of session or other sitting is 18. For Sunday morning or Monday evening, we can accommodate more uh, in, in the space in the middle. But uh, so it's a it's it's a wonderful, lovely, really uh, congenial interim sendo. But we're still working on and one of my vows is uh, to find a space, a building that we can use to have a long-term, full-time ancient dragon Zendai temple. So we're working on that. And uh, we have a, a board committee that's working on that. It's, uh, I don't know if it'll happen this year. It might happen in a couple of months. It might happen in a couple of years. And we're fortunate to have this Lincoln's version in the meantime. But I'm uh, 
I managed to find a, a kind of long term space for this wonderful sangha. And thanks to Adani, who's joining us online, who's helping quite a lot with that, but other people as well. We'll discover others. Um, so that's part of my personal. Now, for this year, is to continue that process. And personally, I have another uh, vow or commitment for this year, which is to um, talk about peace. So, as I said, the year of the rabbit is supposed to be a year of peace. So, um, we can't end wars with more wars and more weapons. More weapons will not end the war in Ukraine or people of Ukraine have suffered so much. And of course, there are many wars all around the world. So um, we can't just declare peace on earth. Although, you know, John Lennon tried to do that. So the war is over. So it takes a lot of work, but uh, just to say a little bit about it today, and I want to talk about this more at times during the year. Um, so just some numbers, over half of the $858 billion in the Pentagon budget flows directly to Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, and Lockheed Martin. Another uh, war profiteers and weapons makers. The Pentagon sends to Congress two wish lists every year. Congress usually adds to what the Pentagon wishes. This is a bipartisan war government. This, this costs us $54, $54 billion of the $7 trillion that's gone directly from taxpayers into weapons, makers, <coughs> corporate bank accounts over the past two decades. And of course, that's money that does not go into education, healthcare, housing, all of the real needs of people. So um, I feel there's, there are many other things to talk about in terms of the troubles of the world, but to commit to trying to support peace in the year ahead. Finally, I want to close by talking about Samantabhadra Bodhisattva, who has a special set of 10 vows. So the particular archetypal great Bodhisattva figures, a number of them have their own sets of vows. They all include these four vows that I've, that I've discussed, but some of them have others. And one of the most prominent is Samantabhadra Bodhisattva. He is the Bodhisattva. He appears elsewhere too, but he's the foremost Bodhisattva in the Flower Ornament Sutra, which we've been reading Friday evenings, the first Friday of the month, so this coming Friday evening at seven o'clock you can just sign into the Ancient Dragon uh, online 
page and join us. You don't have to, you can join in the meeting or you can just listen. Uh, and Bhaja, whose name means universal worthy, worthy of the universe, is particularly known for his set of 10 vows. So I'll say a little bit about those, just this time. Talk about them some, and we can talk about them more in the discussion period. But um, these ten vows are to venerate Buddhas, to really appreciate Buddhas and Buddha, to praise Buddhas. Second. The third is to give offerings to Buddha. We do this uh, here in this zendo and in all zendos regularly. So the doshi, the officiating priest, offers incense and have flowers and light. And sometimes we make other offerings, but that's these are offerings to awakening to Buddha, not just to Shakyamuni Buddha, who's the historic Buddha Siddhartha Gautama 2,500 years ago in northeastern India in our period of history, but in our practice of Mahayana Buddhism, the Bodhisattva Buddhism, there are great Buddhas and great Bodhisattvas all over. <laughs> On the tip of every blade of grass, in every atom, there are many Buddhas and Bodhisattvas in this some, this Avatamsaka or Flowering Sutra describes some of these Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Very flowery, very psychedelic, very. Uh, it's a Samadhi text. It's, it, 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 we feel in reading this aloud, we feel this, all of, the, all of these Buddhas. So we, so the third of Samantabhadra's vows is to make offerings. The fourth is to confess our past misdeeds. So confession, when we think of it, maybe, you know, in Western culture in the context of Catholicism, uh, but confession is also part of our practice. Repentance and confession are very important. They're the part of the precepts, the context we practice. So we do this together at the beginning of service, we'll chant all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. So it doesn't mean wallowing in our past misdeeds, it means just acknowledging, yes, I have this difficult karma. I'm a product of the trauma of being a human being in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And of course, this goes back previous millennium. So um, that's the fourth. The fifth vow of universal worthy Bodhisattva Samantabhadra is to rejoice in the happiness of others. This is really important part of our practice. We may feel like, oh, if something good happens to somebody else, then you know, how come it didn't happen to me? How come I didn't get any good? <laughs> That's a kind of um, deluded human response. And we don't get rid of those solutions, but we study them, we notice that we are present with them. So, um, yeah, 
How do we instead say, oh, this is wonderful. Look at all these people here who here in our Zendo and online joining us through Zoom, who are able to practice the Buddha way. It's wonderful. Congratulations, everybody. So we rejoice in the happiness of others. Um, the sixth one is, uh, is a, there's a couple that go together. We, we re request Buddhas to teach. And then the next one is request Buddhas not to enter Nirvana, not to check out and to, uh, not to retire <laughs> from teaching, but to, uh, stay here in this world of pain and loss and pain and suffering and enjoy sometimes. But um, yeah, so Samantabhadra vows to request Buddhists to teach and to request them not to check out into Nirvana. Nirvana literally means cessation. It's never being reborn into the world of suffering. And, you know, we can see that allegorically as for people practicing session or practicing ongoing, practicing monastic practice periods, one can um, become settled into uh, samadhi, into communion with the ultimate as a kind of escape. Psychological term uses a spiritual bypass. Anyway, mm. we uh, we don't we ask Buddhas not to, and we don't you know use and I would say abuse the practice to uh, avoid facing our delusions and the delusions of the world. So that's that's the sixth and seventh of Samantabhadra's ten vows, and then. It, next is to study the Dharma in order to teach it. So this may include, this kind of study may include, you know, reading wonderful old sutras, scriptures of the Buddha, like the flower ornament of the lotus or Vajnaparamita sutras, um, and then use that to share those. So to teach, but just to share those with all beings in our life. So again, these these vows of Samantabhadra are relevant to our New Year's resolutions. The ninth and the tenth are, in some ways, I think the most important. The ninth is to benefit all beings. So how do we live our life, do what we do, in the spirit of benefiting all beings. That includes ourselves, it includes our sangha, but, it, but it's not about a separation. We don't benefit all beings except Muslims or except Russians or all beings except Republicans or except <laughs> Democrats. We, that we work now, study, care about Benefiting all beings, not even just human beings. How do we take care of the trees and the lakes and the mountains and the rivers and the prairies? 
So this, these, all of these vows are huge vows. People sometimes object to the four bodhisattva vows because they seem impossible. They're sometimes called inconceivable. Beings are numberless, are not a free them. <laughs> How do we do that? Well, this is kind of the underpinning of our practice. And it's not that, you know, something I'm going to do in the next week is going to release all the people, all the people suffering from mass incarceration wrongly, wrongly imprisoned in this country, or all the political prisoners in this country or elsewhere, or all the beings, you know, whatever. I mean, we, so we don't, but we're mindful of suffering beings, but we benefit all beings. And then part of how we do that is the tenth vow of Samantha which is to transfer the merit of our practice. This is part of our official ritual and liturgy in Soto Zen. So I think uh, Douglas is appropriate today. His final dedication will include that we share this word merit is can be a problem just like the word save and free or whatever but the energy uh, in, in asian cultures uh it, it, merit is very important they uh, have this belief that uh, conviction that it's not part of our culture so much that for example uh, making donations to uh, practitioners brings benefit to oneself. So the practice for learning about giving and giving and receiving in monasteries in Asia is to go around with the begging bowl and just be available to receive food or whatever else. Um, the practice period I did in Kyushu in Japan years ago now, uh, we went out twice a month to sometimes to the large town, sometimes to the big city nearest us, and did this practice of walking from house to house or business to business, or just chanting the group to get through available. And people are very happy to come and put money and rice in our bowls and, uh, because, because of this vow, to transfer the merit, it's kind of mysterious, but it means that through our practice, whether you are here in Lincoln Square or on the Zen page, our practice here today brings us energy, brings us, I don't know, good vibes, whatever. Um, and we share that. We transfer that. Formally in the dedication, we transfer that to all beings and sometimes to specific beings. So anyway, that's just a little more on Bodhisattva vows in the context of universal worthy Samantha Bodhisattva. So the point is that uh, in our culture, these New Year's resolutions, you know, we can we can um, have personal resolutions, you know, to lose weight or to get more exercise or to uh, go to more movies or go to less movies or whatever. Um, but um, Part of this idea of 
resolution and part of the spirit of, hey, this is a new year. It's not tomorrow, it's not yesterday, it's today, January 1st, 2023, I believe, uh, is that we can feel this transition and resolve to um, help, help Sangha, help our fellow practitioners, whether or not they're Buddhists or Muslims or Christians or whatever. Uh, to help all beings. So Sangha is a funny word. It means this particular gathering in person here and online, but it also means all the people that you come in contact with during the week. Friends, family, neighbors, co-workers mm. are part of your Sangha. So how do we share with them this benefit, this energy from our uh, taking on the practice of uprightness, caring for the world and for ourselves, and paying attention, paying attention, paying attention. So, this is a time for rejoicing also. We survived 2022. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And I trust we will survive 2023. And I trust that we will do our best to make 2023 a good year. So, um, maybe that's as much as I need to say right now. Does anybody else have some offering to celebrate the new year with or some comment or question about these this practice of vows and resolutions that's part of our Bodhisattva tradition. So David you can call on people online and if you raise your hand maybe I'll see you here. So Please feel free. Online, you can either raise your hand like this or use the, the raise hand function. And if you're here in Lincoln Square, um, you could just go ahead and start talking because we might not be able to see you. Does anybody have any commentaries on or comments or responses about our four borders at the house that we chant all the time? About numberless being and delusions. And, yes, Jen. Um, I think I have offended people regarding these four vows uh, because I love them, but I also think they're extremely funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I begin to laugh about that and other things that Buddhists say, um, to say that they're funny doesn't mean that they're not serious or that they're not, yeah, that they're not serious. Amen. Mm -hmm. And um, especially the one 
the second one that says delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. It is an extremely personal statement. Yes. And um, I think, well, personally, one of the delusions that I am try, I, I'm trying not to end is that the um, interpersonal mistakes that I make that I started making when I was 12 years old and really began to try to change and then found myself making this same mistake a month ago when I should have known better? No. I, excuse me, I need to interrupt you because, uh, uh, forgive me. Sure. Uh, but we're not chanting it that way anymore. That that second Bodhisattva vow, delusions are inexhaustible, I got to cut through. Yeah, I think it is a little funny to try and say, oh, I, I want to end them. It's actually unhelpful. It's not about ending them. It's about, well, what we're going to say, cut through. Not being caught by them doesn't mean getting rid of them. And I think that if, if you think that's what it means, it is pretty funny. I mean, there's, <laughs> they're, they're all funny. In a, they're all inconceivable is yeah. the technical term that's used. They're beyond our usual conceptualization. But it's not about ending all delusions. As I was saying in the talk, this is really important. This is really central to our practice. We appreciate our delusions. We study our delusions. We see that they are Dharma gates. We, um, we can laugh at them or we can cry at them. And some, some of them do just drop away. And some of them will be with you for the next 10 lifetimes, or 100 lifetimes, or whatever. It's, it, it's not about um, crushing delusions. So that's funny in a bad way. I mean, it's, it's about actually <clears throat> feeling what we feel and seeing who we are, and not being caught by that, not cutting through it, cutting through these delusions. Not to get rid of them, but to be able to enter into Dharma gates, to, uh, to help all beings and so forth. So I'm sorry, I just need to interrupt, but please uh, go ahead and further respond. Well, um, I. I guess what I wanted to explain is um, how I have been amused. I have always been amused by them, but still recite them and really appreciate them. But there's that residual impossibility mm -hmm. that um, makes them funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's, I wouldn't say impossible, because maybe we can enter all the Dharma gates. Maybe we can uh, 
realize the Buddha way that everyone here has in some ways. Maybe we can become the Buddha way. But um, yeah, I I, pre- I heard you <laughs> chanting them, so I know you do. <laughs> anyway, other comments on that or anything else? I see Brian Sanders up. Thank you. And first of all, Happy New Year, everyone. And um, so grateful for this sangha and really for all sanghas who are carrying on this wonderful tradition. Um, In the Bodhisattva vows that you mentioned, uh, the phrase cut through reminds me, I think of a very helpful uh, way to think of this additionally, there's there's different ways you can approach uh, translation of these terms, and I love that. The Tibetan tradition, <clears throat> one of the deepest, or the, the deepest traditions called Dzogchen, and one of their primary practices is called Treksho, which means cutting through. And there's a guy who's quite famous, Keith Dauman, uh, written a number of books of translations. And the sense of cutting through that he points out is is kind of like a bundle of sticks that becomes unbundled. Uh, and I might be um, not, par- I might be paraphrasing that, not getting it exactly. <clears throat> but the cutting through, I think, can point to our practice of letting go or not grasping with the mind. Um, So it could be informed by, for example, the wisdom of the non-duality or the emptiness of things where you're not ending the delusion, but you're realizing that the, the delusion, like all things, are empty of inherent existence. And that allows you to ungrasp onto, you know, to, to, let go of that delusion, you know, just let it, I guess, let it be (laughs) and not to cling to it, uh, which is kind of points us directly back to the Zazen practice of non-thinking of just, you know, being in that, in the middle of things and letting things come and go. I don't know. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Yes. I've read this one of Keith Dallin's books. Yes. And Dzogchen is very, very similar to Soto Zen in a lot of ways. So, yes, to cut through. I, I, I'm looking, you know, if, the, if anybody has a suggestion for a better translation than cut through, uh, I mean, I think it means not be caught by, but that's a little awkward. Um, Another phrase is release. So maybe we vow to release them or, or not cling. I mean, it's... <laughs> Translation's difficult to find the exact right term, I guess. Yes, part of the issue is that all these Chinese characters have many layers of meaning. So this is part of, <laughs> this is how translation is an uh, imperfect art. But uh, release doesn't feel right to me either, because that, that could be interpreted as getting rid of, you know, and it's not about getting rid of our delusion. It's about seeing how right through our delusions, we can awaken. All of these delusions, afflictions, difficulties are opportunities, drama gates to see through and awaken. So, I'm going to see through, right? 
Okay, well, I'll think about that. So, uh, Jerry and David, hold off on changing the uh, the text. But what did he miss? What's that? What did he say? She said to see through them. Oh. That's not bad. I drama gates are boundless. No delusions or afflictions. Delusions are inexhaustible. Now we say we vow to end them. We vow to cut through. Um, we vow to see through them. I'll think about that more. Uh, anybody who has preferences can express that to me. Or other, other options. <coughs> other, other comments about uh, the four bodhisattva vows or anything else? Yes, Steve. Yeah, I don't know when when you when Jim was talking about the impossibility of vows. What popped in my head was the song from you know Man of La Mancha, The Impossible Dream. And can you hear her on uh, Zoom? Yes. Okay. And sorry, and, and and the Cervantes um, Don Quixote, and I and I was thinking about. Um, delusions and 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 the interesting thing about that book is that the some of the delusions that don quixote had became real i mean his vision of of dulcinea liberated her to be um somebody else and a new person and and i was thinking about the vision of um peace i i mean maybe some people say it's deluded to think that we could be at peace. Um, and, and anyhow, that's the sort of where my mind was going. And I, so I was thinking about um, maybe the difference between delusion and imagination. <laughs> Good. Yes, yes. So um, definitely we should not end imagination. Our practice depends on imagination. And we, we visualize or we appreciate or we hear about Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and imagine what, what that is. And uh, we imagine ourselves as awakened at the same time that we see how deluded we are. And they're not separate. They're not separate. So uh, this is tricky. This is not a license to indulge in delusions, but this is about really awakening to men and women, awakening in our delusions. Awakening and delusion, delusion and enlightenment are not separate at all. So I, I've often mentioned, paraphrase Dogan, who says that uh, deluded people have delusions about enlightenment. People are enlightened about their delusions. <laughs> so feel what you feel. See what you see. Study what you study. Don't be caught by delusion or enlightenment. Other comments, questions, responses? Years. Utterances or anything else? Uh, I don't want to uh, speak again if somebody else wants to, but um, 
I I really have had on my mind a story that if you watch Democracy Now, you would have heard it this week, I think. Um, I believe that Ruby Sales died. She was 81. And um, there was a story about her. Uh, she was in the movement, in the anti-racist movement, but she was kind of a soldier and not a leader. But at one point, she was with a group that was confronted by a racist person who had a gun and he pointed it right at her companion that she was with. And he said something like, I'm going to blast you right to hell. Mm -hmm. And her companion said, tonight, hell will be integrated. (laughs) (laughs) And Ruby Sales and I were so impressed with that kind of ability to process the fact that somebody's pointing a loaded gun at you and process what that person said. Uh, And of course, it was pointed out to me later on that he didn't say this, but the implication was that hell right now doesn't have any black people in it. (laughs) That was the implication. I missed that because I was so impressed by the man's courage. But um, I really wanted, I know some of you will have already heard this story, but I really wanted to make sure that we all heard that. Thank you. Other comments? David Ray, do you have your hand up at that time? No, I'm just holding the, the camera. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm being technical. Thank you. Speaking is your vision. Well, uh, I was thinking, um, I don't know, you know, about suffering and, you know, obviously it's essential. It feels like to our practice to pay attention to suffering. I feel like, you know, in, in, at least in my like work, sometimes it feels easier in some ways to tell the story of someone suffering than um, (laughs) not the opposite, but to capture the whole dynamic of a person rather than sort of only focus on the stories of trauma or stuff. Obviously it's very important to pay attention, to tell those stories, etc. But I feel like sometimes that can like essentialize a person kind of down to only their suffering. So I'm wondering, you know, maybe this turns out to be my vow is to see with so much emphasis on suffering, it can be a challenge to or, uh, or pay attention to the whole sort of dynamic kind of being. Um, and, you know, tell stories of a person's joys and happinesses and successes, etc. right? Um, yes, that's one of Samantha Bhadra's songs. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a question exactly as much as, like, I kind of acknowledge that challenge and to maybe work with that a little bit more. Yes, so that's a great name is resolutions. Let's enjoy all the things that there are to be enjoyed. Let's rejoice. Rejoice more and play and just um, the, we we do we do need to 
pay attention to suffering. That's an important part of our practice. But it's an equally important part of our practice to enjoy and, and appreciate and share all the good things. So thank you, Bill. Mm-hmm. David Weiner? Uh, just so many different thoughts coming up on, on what Bo just said. Um, being in sales, uh, it's often said you do something good for somebody, they'll tell four people. And if you do something bad, they'll tell 11 people. <laughs> it's like bad news travels fast. And I don't know if it's part of our fighting, you know, our Olympic brain, you know, wanting to survive and always seeing the world as, you know, to protect, to protect ourselves, protect our being. Um, but uh, it's just, you know, I, I, we were talking about imagination. I was just thinking of John Lennon's song, Imagine. Mm-hmm. If we could just, you know, not be at war with ourselves and not be at war with others and just imagine a world of peace, how much, you know, that would really help us, um, all of us in our, in our own being, in our own daily lives. And uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm going on. No, that's the, point, the, point's, the point's already made is that it's to appreciate one another. Mm-hmm. And learn how we can appreciate one another Thank through you. all our faults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Thank you.